Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The only station that really rocks is WAF and uh, Halloween being tomorrow. We are joined by a gentleman who's kind of like Jeff Belanger. You're kind of like the the Santa at Christmas time, (laughs) right? At this time for Halloween. I mean, people, everybody wants to talk to you because of your specialty. Yeah. And so you're, you're an author, but what are you a paranormal investigator, researcher? Like what would your official title be? You know, I've really had a tough time coming up with a title for me, but I think, uh, investigator, researcher, writer, lecturer, you know, I love this stuff. I love things that bump in the night, everything unexplained. And I've made a career out of it for the last 20 years, just looking for the unusual. And I think these stories connect us to our past, to each other. And it's a way for us to explore the biggest ideas ever, right? When you talk about ghosts, you're asking about life after death. It's huge. It's a big, big question. You're uh, I love your book, Weird Massachusetts. Yeah, thank you. I've given that as a gift <laughs> All right. to a couple of people. But uh, when I first read it, I have a family that live out in Greenfield, and I read about Gravity Hill. Yeah. So that's the first thing. I called up my, my brother-in-law out there. I said, we got to come out and check out Gravity Hill. And he was like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> like it was so, like an old thing they used to do in high school. Did you do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was so strange. You're, you put your car in neutral on, at a certain part in this road in Greenfield. Well, hold on, Mike. Let's set it up. Right? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So there's a bridge yeah. right over Route 2. And there's this road under it, obviously. And the story is a school bus full of children went off the bridge and, you know, <laughs> died there. And so if you put your car in neutral... Uh, the kid's ghost will push your car out of the way to safety, and you can put talcum powder on your trunk. And if you do that, after it's over, you'll see little fingerprints. That's, I did not that's know. That's the backstory. I did not know so now tell the us, talcum powder Tell us what part. happened. Um, well, I put my car in neutral, and my car started rolling uphill. Yeah. And my wife and I are freaking out in the front seat, and my brother and sister-in-law are in the back just harumphing because they live in Greenfield. Right. You know, only tourists want to do that kind of thing, but it really happens. Yeah, it's and, really and imagine had you done the talcum powder, you would have seen the footprint, the uh, little fingerprints. I'm doing that next time. You can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's the kind of stuff you have in weird Massachusetts. Uh, but you've written a lot of books yeah. on haunted places, and w- so every year, Thrillist puts out the same list of scariest places in each state and every year for massachusetts it's the lizzie borden bed and breakfast or inn or whatever it is in fall river and i just that's lame that's totally lame it's been done is is that even the house that she supposedly killed her parents oh that's definitely the house okay yeah that's legit that is the house and not only that it looks like it did back in 1892 so when you walk in there You've got the, the the furnishings, the crime scene photos, all that stuff. I get it. I do. And I'm yeah. not saying I, it's haunted. I've had weird things happen to me in there, but it has been done. I agree with you. But we were asking our listeners, there, there has to be scarier places. Sure. And a lot of them uh, checked in on text or they called in. Uh, one of the places that really fascinated me, they call the Lollipop Graveyard in Harvard. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, you know what that is? That is the, um, 
I've never heard it called the lollipop graveyard, but I know exactly what you're talking about. That's the Shaker Cemetery. Yes, yes. And to me, there's a more interesting story tied to that very graveyard. The Shakers used to sell this medicinal spring water. And uh, the, the ads said, and this was, of course, before truth and advertising, you know, you'll live forever. It cures anything that ails you. And you can say, well, that's, you know, come on, they're just lying, obviously. But then you go to that graveyard and the headstones were like 92 years of age, 83 years of age, 101 years of age. And this is back in the mid-1800s when the average life right. expectancy was 40 years, yeah. right, if you include infant mortality. And so suddenly you go, well, wait a minute. So I went out there a few years ago and the well, the actual well, is this little stone house that's smaller than a person. It's this little hut. And it's out there in the woods. And we went out there with the Harvard Historical Commission. And that thing hadn't been opened in God knows when, right? So we've got bolt cutters and everything else. And we open it up and there's still water in there. And so... Uh, Is that the water? That's the water. It's the spring. It's coming up through all this silt and sand, just a couple of inches of water. Wait, the wa- in the cemetery? Well, so, no, no, no. This is a couple miles oh, from this the cemetery. Is, okay, this is this where is they the, were. This is where they would okay, bottle so, the water. So that's, they that's supposedly the water. So I, I, I brought a champagne flute. and I Did, I, you, did you? Damn right I did. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh, my God. And you know what? I can tell you, this was three years ago. I haven't aged a day since. Well, you look pretty young Thank for, you. for yeah. 85. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm you, really kicking it You look 85. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, not bad, right? It's the water. I also heard that they're all buried standing up. Do you uh, think that's true? That doesn't sound logistically easy. And yeah. uh, you, you can't say enough about how people were efficient back then. So I wouldn't think that's true. Those headstones are actually put in much later um, because they're, they're all cast iron and they've been painted. So, uh, so that particular cemetery, it looks unique. It doesn't look like any other cemetery. I know exactly what they're talking about. And that's the thing, right? We're unique people. We love it when something sticks out. We talk yeah. about it. And that's just one of those classic examples. Another one a lot of people brought up was, um, let me get the name right, Dudley Road in Bill Ricca. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one. you know that one too. Oh, sure, yeah. So, that's so, so, now, the story I got was uh, there were some nuns yep. that lived there, and they started practicing witchcraft, and they were caught. And they were originally, I guess, banished, but the townspeople decided to hang them instead. Yeah, the version I heard okay. was that a nun was having an affair with a priest and got pregnant. And rather than go through all that, she she hanged herself. Oh, And so, okay. you know, she, you, you'll see her ghost hanging in the tree on that road. And um, it's a creepy road. And everybody locally knows about it. You drive down it. And, and when you know the story, and by the way, historically, I haven't found anything that says this happened or didn't happen. But it doesn't matter. That story's been told so many times. But there's always nuns. Right. There's always a hanging. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's always that road, Dudley Road in Belrica. And uh, when you go down it, especially if it's a dark and foggy night, and you can say, I don't believe in any of this stuff until you get away from all the lights and stuff. And then you start going, oh, man, what <laughs> if? Right. What if it is real? Well, some woman called us and said, halfway down the road, you got to turn your lights off. Sure. And then tur- for like a second and turn them back on and she'll be in front of your car or, yeah. or on the side of the road or something. Or like honk that. three times. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> right, yeah. And then um, the, you you have a podcast. Yeah. It's a, 
New England Legends. That's it, yeah. Great podcast. I love it because it comes in real nice bite-sized chunks. Ten like minutes. 10, That's 12 it. minutes. That's 12 it. minutes at the most, maybe yep. seven minutes, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to one about a similar story where there was a woman in white on a road in Connecticut. Yeah, I grew up right near there. So that's uh, Union Cemetery in Easton, Connecticut. Yeah. And growing up, uh, we heard about the White Lady of Easton. She's this wispy white apparition that's been seen moving through that cemetery, through the streets on on either side of it. And people talk about not only seeing her, but uh, in one version of the story, a a man hits her with his car and it dents the car. He thinks he just killed someone, jumps out of the car and looks around. There's no one there. And, you know, then you, you start losing your mind. I mean, these phantom hitchhikers pop up all over. Massachusetts, right? The red-headed hitchhiker of Route 44. Down now, what's in, that one? I don't know that one. Mike, you didn't read Weird Massachusetts. This is a quiz, and you well, just failed. Is, I, no, I, you I, just I, failed right I, there. It's been a while, man. Okay, I don't remember right. that one. So uh, on Route 44, right on the Rehoboth Seekonk line, people will report seeing this disheveled, red-haired guy wearing a, a flannel shirt trying to thumb a ride. And some will pull over and he disappears. And some say he'll, he'll get in the car and they start to drive off and then he vanishes. And then and freaky versions of the story, and that, that Route 44, the speed limit's like 50. I mean, it's not some backcountry road. You're cruising along at 50 and you look over and there's his face keeping right in time with you in the window, right, as, right, in, you know, right next to the oh driver. My God. And everybody's like, oh my God. And especially in December at night and if there's a snowstorm, that's when they say you see him. And I worked on a project for the History Channel uh, down there, and we talked to the Rehoboth police officers. And they're like, I don't believe in any of this stuff. And I said, really? How many times have you had to go out there because there's someone looking for ghosts? And they're like, I don't know, once, twice a week? (laughs) A week, right? Yeah, a week, right? And and I say, oh, well, someone believes in it, and it becomes a police issue, doesn't it? Yeah. And they got to That's like the lollipop graveyard. Right. Uh, a couple people called us and said, I wouldn't go out there at night now because the cops are there all the time looking for people who are right. you know, looking for ghosts or whatever. Well, it's against the law to be in any cemetery in Massachusetts after dark. It is, you're within the law to be there during daylight hours. That's that's pretty much how they all work, including Spidergate Cemetery. Yeah, someone just texted that in. Yeah, in Leicester. That, yeah. I live out in Worcester. I haven't been there yet. And what? a lot of people tell me I have to go out there. Field trip. Yeah. Yeah. So what what's the thing oh. with Spider Gates? All right. So there's a lot going on there. So there's so many legends about it. One is that there's uh, seven gates to hell around that cemetery. There's this flat area of ground where rituals took place that these cloaked figures in robes hold candles and chant by the graves. Uh, I mean, they just go on and on and on. I looked into every single one of them and they're all true. What? Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's the crazy what? thing. Right? Who are the people chanting and holding candles? So that one, I went out there with a town historian who's also a retired police officer. And and I had got an email like 15 years ago from kids saying, we were out there, these guys were chanting, and you know we were so scared, we thought we were going to die. And, and then they left and we ran and we'll never go back there. And I'm like, delete, you lied to me, right? <laughs> that's, not, that's not even believable. And so I asked the cop, I said, well, I got this email. And he goes, oh, I've chased him out of here like three, four times. I'm like, What? People in robes. Yes. They go to Worcester Polytech Institute. The, they're the oh order, God, order really? of the skulls. Yeah. And the, the, oh, are they a fraternity? The, well, one of the founders of the Worcester Polytech, uh, Ralph Earl, his grave is in there. He was a, he was a Quaker. And oh, okay. so they go there to, to pay homage at night. They don't have permission. They shouldn't be in there at night. And he's told me, you know, he sneaks up behind them and, you know, what are you doing? And they're like, <laughs> oh, we're you know, running for it. But imagine this. Imagine you're a 12-year-old kid with your buddy and you're out there. And, and these guys walk in holding yeah. candles and they're chanting, oh, on the bus, off the bus, right? Whatever. Like, you're just like, this is it. This is the end for me. We're going we're gonna to die here right now. 
Um, but these stories just come up and there's little pieces of it that's true, right? And we talk about it and we share them and, and, and it touches on something primal. The reason that cemetery is all by itself is because Worcester Airport expanded back in right. the, the 50s and 60s and they cleared all the houses out of there, but the cemetery could stay. So they closed all the streets and where every intersection was, there's now a gate Seven of them, seven gates oh to hell. Oh my God! And and uh, they say the roads appear and disappear, right? And you go out there. I've been out there in the winter. You can see all the roads. If you go out there in July, the the weeds are are head high. You can't see anything. And so that's sort of true, right? Like the roads do appear and disappear. It just takes six months. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's just so many great stories about that stuff, and we we connect to it. And it's still an active cemetery used by the Quakers. When did you start getting into this stuff? We're talking to Jeff Belanger, who is a what do we decide to call you? A <laughs> paranormal researcher, yeah. Yeah, a legend researcher. Yeah, beer drinker. Right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Beer, occasional beer yeah. drinker, yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'll be like the Guinness book for New England, right? right? Like, that's the, that'll be our thing. Um, so I started right out of college. I started writing for newspapers. And around October, you might find this shocking, but the media goes looking for haunted interest stories. Right. And that's what we did. And and I, I got hooked on it, man. I got hooked on the talking to people that have had strange experiences, going into these buildings where history comes alive. And then sometimes, man, something weird happens. And you go, well, shoot, that's not how I was told the world's supposed to work. You know, once in a while, you see something, you hear something that that you can't explain, and then you go, maybe this is more than just a story. Yeah. And you just... just took that extra step yeah, and you well, went out, you went to these places and yeah, well you become part of the story. You can't help it. You can only be an armchair researcher so long, right? You've got to go. And what I found was that when you go there, you really do become part of the story. I mean, you hear a story that's so good, right? Dudley road and bell Ricker, Aren't you a little curious? Let's go park the yeah, car at night, turn absolutely. the lights off. And yeah, well at some point you're going to, maybe you're going to be close by one night and you're going to, you know what? I'm doing that right now. Let's go do this. Let's, <laughs> right. let's get this done. Let's, yeah. And, uh, and you might leave with a strange story. You might say, ah, it's just a story. Or you might say, I saw something that I can't explain. Um, Someone's texting in about the uh, the Gardner Mansion, or yes. that haunted house in Gardner, Victorian Mansion in Gardner. Yeah, my my wife is from Gardner, mm-hmm. and she's seen that house her whole life go into different kind condition. It was in disrepair. Now they fix it up pretty nicely. Yeah, but um, never got a straight story about why that house is haunted. Uh, it's legit. So we filmed Ghost Adventures there. I've been in that house four or five times, and. Okay. Um, when I was researching it for Ghost Adventures, the uh, it was a boarding house at one point, really like a flop house. A guy burned to death. I have his death record right in the bed, right in one of his, his rooms. Uh, um, he, he was drinking and smoking in bed, passed out and burned up uh, right there in the bed. Some will say spontaneous combustion. I think it's more likely he spilled alcohol, caught fire and was unconscious. Right. Uh, there's been other deaths in that building. It's got the look... I mean, it looks like the Munster's house, right? When yeah, you're looking oh, at totally, it from the street. Yeah, yeah like it's this, the Adams family yeah, house. It absolutely yeah. is. And uh, a really strange thing happened to me there. The first time I went there, this was two owners ago, they were taking me around the house and said, oh, my wife was pushed here, and I've seen this little boy's ghost over there. And the lamest thing he told me that night was that he and his wife will be in bed, and they'll feel something shaking the foot of the mattress, like just shake it until they're awake. And I'm like, well, okay, well, that's whatever. I went home that night. And I'm in bed and I'm asleep. And at like 2.30 in the morning, I wake up because something's shaking my mattress. And Mike, my house was built in 1996. It's the least haunted place I've ever been. And I'm like, oh no, something's followed me home, right? Yeah. And then, and then, but I calmed down. I said, I must've dreamt that. I was asleep. So I take a deep breath and it starts shaking again. I'm already wide awake. 
And I sit up and I'm like, oh man, what did I, what did I bring home? And I got my little daughter down the hallway. I'm like, I bring this on me, right? I'm asking for this, but, uh, I waited, I waited for a good hour or two just sitting up going, well, is this, uh, is this my new reality? And then that was it. It didn't happen again, but it was, I felt like it was kind of like a, maybe a little bit of a warning shot. I'm not sure. What what was uh, one of the moments where you, you were like real scared? So the first time I saw what I would call a ghost, and by the way, in 20 years of doing this, I can count on one hand how many times I can say like, all right, definitively, I'm, I'm saying that's a ghost. Uh, the first time I was in Paris, France, and I was 30 meters below the city in this network of tunnels called the catacombs. Right. Yeah. And I was That's alone. where all, like, you see pictures. It's all skeletons, all skulls, skulls and, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So it's, there's, I'm walking through, and I'm sort of a tall guy. You know, I got a duck in space, spots and things like that. And I get to this doorway that says, stop, this is the Empire of the Dead, says it in French. And you walk through, and there's just millions of skeletons all around you. And they're not behind plexiglass or anything. You can touch them. And what happened was in the 1700s to 1800s, they had to empty out the Paris cemeteries. They were overflowing. The city had just sprawled around them and guts and were just oozing in the streets. And so all these bones have been laid down there. And I'm walking through the tunnel, this long straightaway, where if I stuck my fingertips out in both directions... I'd be touching skulls on both sides. And suddenly I see a man, a shadow the size of a man, just starts from the right side and he goes to the left and back again. And I just froze. And I said, oh, wait a minute, I'm down here alone. No one came from behind me. They would have literally bumped into me. And then I think, well, maybe there's a little side tunnel up there somewhere. And no, there's no side tunnel. It's just straight all the way. And that's, that's the way out. I had to keep going that way. <laughs> and so in that moment, I'm just like, oh, man. And I'd interviewed hundreds of people about their ghost experience at that point. But I'd never really had my own until right there. And I went, oh, man, that must be what everyone's talking about. I mean, I didn't ask for that. I don't, I'm not going to consider myself psychic or sensitive. In fact, you can call me insensitive. Every woman I've ever dated has told me that. <laughs> so I don't feel things, man. It's got to be there. And there it was. And it just it took days, weeks to sink in. I'll never forget it. What do you do when people say you're out of your mind? None of this stuff exists. I don't know. Um, I mean, do you show them like the 20 books you've written about it? Or what? <laughs> I mean, what, what do you tell those yeah. people that this is a load of crap? And Yeah, that's okay. I, I don't, I'm not trying to convert anyone to anything, right? What I know is these stories stick around. And they don't stick around because I want them to. It's a, a community decides, right? Uh, I mean, websites decide the Lizzie Borden house year after year right. is the most haunted place. You know, you and I were talking about the Hoosick Tunnel out oh, in North Hoosick Adams. Tunnel. Well, you know, like we were, t- these places keep coming up. Why them and not others? Because someone has a weird thing that happens. Someone else hears about it. Someone else talks about it. And it just keeps floating around. It's, it's a real communal thing, right? It's a, it's a lesson from the past. And so for me... I think what, to me, that's, that's the proof. What defines reality? Man, if you can define that, then you're better than like thousands of years of philosophers and everything else, right? Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about the abstract, how come that $20 bill in your wallet is worth a six-pack and a pizza, right? It's just paper. It exists purely on faith and belief. And if we stop believing in it, it stops working, it's fact. It's happened yeah. before. Ask the Confederates how their money's doing, right? Right. <laughs> right? Like, so we believe in this thing and we make it abstractly real. To me, a ghost experience, it's fine if you don't believe, but once in a while you may have an experience and then you be the judge. You mind taking a call? No, let's do it. All right. This is uh, it's not my Sean. mom, is it? No, oh, okay. unless your mom's name is Sean. Maybe. Um, Sean, what's up? You got Jeff Belanger hey, here. How are you? All right. Hey, have you heard of the albino farm? No, where's that? Um, it well, 
the group I grew up with, the albino farm, was in Lincoln off Trapello Road. There's a barn that has a giant peace sign painted on it, which I, at this point, don't think it's real. But we used, they used to say in colonial times there were a couple of people who lived around there who were albinos, and they were sort of outcasts, so they set up their own little community and continue to live there. And if any outsiders came in, they would chase chase them away. Uh, we used to go out there and we'd go into the cemetery and basically just scare the heck out of people at night. <laughs> and I later heard that other people said it was somewhere else. And there's a really, really bad movie called Albino Farm that I just had not wasted the two hours to watch. Um, that, I guess, has a similar story. Yeah. Hmm. All right. You never heard of that one? No, but it sounds really similar to one I have heard of called The Melonheads of Trumbull, Connecticut. And the Melonheads... The sim- Melonheads? Melonheads. And, okay. and by the way, this is a... Um, I believe there, there is some reality to that story in Trumbull because I, I th- these people were physically deformed, and so they lived okay. out away from... So they from, were kind of outcasts. Yeah. yeah. So they lived on their own away from town, and they didn't like people coming to mess with them, and so they would scare them. And there's a, a road um, that, that they haunt specifically and this was decades ago right but people still talk about them because that story stuck around and it's actually a story of real cruelty right like these these people had a physical deformity and they weren't welcomed in downtown society so they were they were forced to go on their own and their revenge is that we still talk about them decades later yeah so 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 i've heard stories like that and it's not impossible that people who maybe were albinos or would have felt like outcasts would have just clumped together and stayed away from everybody have you ever uh, investigated a place? Like, what's the most unlikely place we can think of? Like, I'm thinking you were called because something was happening at a strip mall or oh, or at, like, yeah. uh, you know, some unlikely place, like in a supermarket or something <laughs> like that. So I know uh, there's a pretty prominent, prominent paranormal guy I know in California who um, sends me an email, and the subject is you owe me. And he said, uh, so I got a call from a woman who owns a pole dancing studio in <laughs> In Quincy, Massachusetts. Oh, oh, good. And I'm like, Quincy, I'm not <laughs> far from there. And she believes her pole dancing studio is is haunted. And so I said, I, I'm on my way. Like, I'm, you know, I, I'm like, I'm out the door. You know, I go down the bat pole and everything. Right. Right? Like, <laughs> the sirens are going. And uh, I called a couple other investigators that I know. And they're like, I, I'm there. What do you need? Uh, you have my all, all my resources at your disposal. So we go there. And the woman sets up. They've got glass mirrors all around the room. And there's poles, as you would yeah, expect. Yeah. And she films herself uh, dancing. And these white, wispy things keep showing up in the film, like following her around and all this other stuff. And it seems to happen while she's dancing. And so, you know, she's like, I, I think they're like voyeuristic ghosts. And so we get there and we're setting up cameras and we've got EMF meters and all kinds of other things. And she says, uh, so this is the point where I kind of put my hands in my pocket and I, I kind of rock on my heels and I say, so they show up while you're dancing. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> so I guess you should maybe do that. And she said, okay, yeah, sure. So we put the camera where she puts it right underneath this doorway so it gets the room. And she starts dancing, and the music's thumping, thump, 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 you know, and she's spinning around, and the room's small enough that when she spins, it's like a fan blade, you know? And uh, one, of my, one of the guys I was with put his hand, rested it right on the doorframe, and when he did, this dust came off the doorframe, and it went right in front of the lens and got swooped into the wind she was oh, making. Oh, are you kidding me? And so uh, he's like, look, it's just the dust coming off the doorframe. And I went, no, 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 let's be thorough. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> so four hours later, <laughs> we're, uh, but that was one of those things where, I, I mean, I think we could explain it. Um, right. But she liked hearing about, she liked feeling that she was being watched even when she was alone. She liked the idea that she had company. It was just this hundred year old nondescript downtown Quincy building, right? right. There was really nothing special about it. Um, but it ended up being dust. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a lot of those? Uh, sure. Or or sometimes people will hear footsteps up in the attic and you get there and you go, oh my God, yeah, I hear them. And you go up in the attic and there's this raccoon just thumping around up there <laughs> yes. and you go, I'm oh, not yeah. the guy to call, you know? Yeah. My house has been haunted by raccoons. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of those things though, where you hear the footsteps and, and we make that leap. But once in a while, you can't explain it. And that's that's what I live for. All right. Well, Jeff uh, Belanger, thank you very yeah, much for coming in, man. And, uh, uh, you know, Weird Massachusetts, uh, it's the encyclopedia of haunted places. Yeah. And you put out these calendars every year, right. which are fantastic. What's, what's a, like a website people can go to to check all that stuff out? So my website's jeffbelanger.com, which I know you can't spell, but it's, uh, <laughs> or you can go to Our New England Legends. That's my podcast, and it has links to everything I do, and that's Our O-U-R New England Legends. And, uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me, and happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween. So what do you do for Halloween? I mean, is this is like, oh, it's Halloween. Halloween's every day for me. Like, <laughs> I love know? it. I still love it, even though I'm, I'm doing, you know, I, I do a story tour every night of October, and uh, I love that. But, no, I go big, man. Full-size candy bars. Oh, you're I'm, a full-size guy. Darn right, man. Oh, I'm, my God. You know, strobe lights and you fog machines. You are a saint, machines. sir. My, my daughter and I go trick-or-treating. Uh, I wouldn't miss it. and Because when I grew up, I had that neighbor. And I I knew as a kid, I'm like, I want to be that guy. Right. And so now I am. I had that neighbor when I was growing up in Natick, when I was in elementary school. Yeah. A couple doors up from where I lived in Natick, the guy gave out full-size candy bars and whole cans of soda. Nice. Later found out. He was a dentist. Oh. So he's just basically, you know, helping his industry, I think. He could write that off. That's right, a, yeah, that's exactly. Totally, yeah, that's, that's yeah. just an investment for him. Awesome. All yeah. right, well, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate it. Yeah. I know you're super busy. You're you're all over the place these days. Yeah, but thank um, you. Thank you very much for coming out, Jeff Belanger. And uh, what's the show on Amazon? Yeah, uh, New England Legends. It's New also, England Legends. Yeah, you can okay, watch someone text it in saying they love that. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Amazon yeah. Prime. If you're a Prime member, it's free. It's uh, New England Legends. We also, it's not just a weekly podcast. It's a, it's a television series. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming in. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.